welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. We struggle, and many times in wanting to be like someone else, we minimize how God made us special. How God made us for a purpose, how God made us exactly how he wanted us, and there is no mistake involved in it. So do you love and accept the unique you? Well, last week we talked about the way out of this comparison trap. And let me ask you again, who does the Heavenly Father compare you to? Who does the Heavenly Father compare you to? No one. He is content with who you are, exactly who you are right now. But now, if that's the truth that sets us free, today I want us to be directed. If we're free from the comparison trap today, I want to know what to do with that and where to go with my unique self. And that is really what we're going to talk about today. After being set free, now we're directed. So we're going to get to our story. And uh, today we're going to hear from the master teacher who is Jesus. He uses one of his favorite illustrative devices called a parable. Now, a parable is basically an elongated illustration. It is an earthly story that he made up all to tell a spiritual point. And he's a master of, of saying them. Uh, today's parable, you probably heard if you've been in church before, it's called the parable of the talents. And it uh, has a lot to say of what we do with what God has given. Um, it's recorded by Matthew. Uh, Matthew was an eyewitness to hear what Jesus said. And uh, Matthew is writing it down. But finally, we think God was working through Matthew so that we actually hear God's voice through what is written here. So let's just read the whole thing, and this is what we're going to consider for today. Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Dun, dun, dun. It's going bad. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now this is a tangent and I didn't have time to work it in my sermon, but can I give you a little point? Your view of God matters greatly. 
Your view of God will dictate what you do in your life. If you view God as a hard judge, someone just out to get you, someone who has no mercy, someone who's just putting the thumb on you, then you will probably be scared and afraid to do anything. Whereas if you view God as your father, full of mercy and compassion and love for you, you will be directed and encouraged to try, encouraged to do even the, what seems impossible in your life. So the view shaped his activity, and that was huge for the servant. Verse 27, or verse 26, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, or gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And this is a bad ending. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping of gnashing of teeth. And that is a picture of hell. Feel good story. Amen. Let's go home. Just kidding. Well, this is the words that we want to talk about. And, and may God so direct us. May he give us hope, though, as we do this and peace as we do this and bless our discussion. I brought another item with me today. Um, it's something that I found while shopping at Aldi. I gotta love Aldi. And I was shopping down the aisles and I found at Aldi for $8. Does anyone know what it is? It's a mini fryer. That's what it is. And it's funny because when I saw the mini fryer, I immediately thought how my quality of life was gonna improve. I, I thought, you know, I'm gonna have chicken tenders coming from there. I'm going to have french fries and buffalo wings, and maybe most importantly, I'm going to try my hand at donut making once more. Because it didn't go well the first time, but now that I have sustained temperature at 375, I can maybe crack the code, Dustin's Donuts got a ring to it, and, and maybe that's what we'll even enjoy some there, back there someday. So I envisioned all that would happen with my $8 mini fryer. But can I tell you something? I've had it for about four months now. And I haven't used it once. Haven't, haven't used it once. Can anyone relate to this? Uh, does anyone else have, uh, you know, things? And you, you viewed it on the shelf and it's like, it's going to change my world. It's going to be great. And then yet that item still has the tags on it, right? You know, it's still in the closet. The shoes were never worn. Um, it can happen with guys. Guys, come on. You, you got some tools in the garage. Home Depot is having a sale. It's Memorial Day, right? And you never use the tool, but you thought of how you could use it, so you got it. And we do this all the time with stuff, don't we? We're, we're good consumers. But, but what I wanted to ask you is this question. Um, how valuable is a product you never use? It's worthless. If I never used this mini fryer, even though it was $8, I've just wasted $8, right? It's a worthless item. And this is a good tangent. We have a garage sale Saturday, June 4th, and uh, bring all your use. <laughs> Anyway, good plug for the garage sale. Um, this Saturday, and all the profits will go to the Frankfurt Food Pantry, so it is actually a really good cause. Um, but I kid. Anyway, but not really, because bring your stuff. Anyway, um, <laughs> when we see the master, what he is doing is he's handing away items. It's not mini fryers. He's actually handing out uh, wealth. Um, the talents represented about 20 years of wages. Uh, 20 years of wages in those towns. So this is, this is pretty good. And we have five, and we have two, and we have one. And what we know is that this master expected them to be used. That's why he gave them. And yet we have the one person, our bad example. Let's look what he does in verse 18. 
He said the man who had received the one bag went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now what this is picturing is God who gives all these things on our bookshelf, talents and experiences and health and all these things, but we never put them to use. And what we need to be real with is this question, which is how valuable are the talents that you're not using? Well, they're worth and they're as valuable as the products we never use. The answer is they're worthless. See, the reality is it isn't about your ability to make a difference in the world. It's that you actually do it. There's a difference between talkers. There's a difference between dreamers, isn't there? We know this full well. It is not noble to be able to dream of doing something. Anyone can do that. Children do it all the time. The difference is to actually get up and do it. What struck me uh, and something I love was uh, reading this reality in a book called Strengths Finders. I've talked about it uh, other times at Amazing Love, but if you want to figure out your unique you, uh, there's a quiz that can help you unearth your unique you, a quiz, and it's really, really beneficial. But one of the things it's said is that a strength is not a strength unless you use it for others. That makes so much sense to me. See, what this is saying, it's not about the ability that you can be empathetic. It's that you're actually being empathetic in your relationships with others. It's not about this ability to learn things. It's about that you're actually using the gift of learning and applying your mind to learn new things. See, see what we want to do is, again, use what God has given. But I relate to this guy's struggle, and maybe you will too as we dig into his story, because I believe part of his problem is because he had the smallest gift, he was wondering, what difference can I make? It's the smallest. What difference can I make based on what the master has given me? All I got is one bag, right? Well, there, there's a phrase that really unearthed why the, the master was doing this. And it's a phrase that hopefully will jump off the page whenever you read it. It still jumps off the page for me. Uh, let's get into verse 15 and see why the master gave why he gave. It says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, to another one bag each. Can you read this next part with me? Each according to his ability. That is so key. According to his. Now, are there any managers in the building? You ever work with people under you? Anything like that? Okay. Um, if you're a manager, you, you probably notice that not everyone works the same. Not everyone has the same capacity. Not everyone will pump out the same quality or quantity of work. There are just different levels of people, aren't there? And it's not really to look down on certain people. Some people just can't do as much, or maybe they do less because it's more quality. It's just, it's just different, right? Parents understand this, right? Parents look at their kids, and they know their uniqueness, and they know just how far they can push them and when to hold back and what they might expect will happen. Even if you're not a manager, how about uh, pet owners? Does anyone have more than one pet? Sometimes you know which one is just going to be a stinker and never listen, right? And other times, you know, we, we know the good ones who will come and obey, right? Um, I want you to envision God as a manager today. Because that's really what we're talking about when it comes to stewardship. God is a perfect manager. And what God understands is this thing. God understands that when he made you, he gave you a different concoction going on here. And it's a concoction he's okay with, by the way. He's not wishing you were someone else. 
But based on your unique you, here's what the master does. Here's the principle. He's going to give you the amount that is best for you. The amount that is best for the unique you, not someone else. That's so key. But we can probably empathize with how the guy felt, right? He was seeing five bags. He was seeing two bags. He got the one, and he probably felt like mincemeat. He was probably like, aren't I like at least a one and a half beggar? What's going on, master? What, what's going on? You know, he's probably feeling at the end of the totem pole. And uh, sometimes, very honestly, we feel the same way. Sometimes one of the things we get wrapped up in is wishing we had someone else's stuff, wishing we had someone else's success, position, family, car, house, you name it, because we see that there's more out there, and we're like, I want that more. But underneath it all is a lie, and I need to expose a lie today. Are you ready for it? Here's the lie. The lie is the, the idea that more is better. Because the reality, more isn't always better. Sometimes more is just different. Let's be honest. And the reality is sometimes we want the upside of more without ever considering the downside of more. I remember this growing up. Do you remember wanting to drive your own car? Does anyone remember that? I was looking for the time where I could turn up the stereo, drive how I want to drive, go where I wanted to go. I was only looking at the upside of more. But what I didn't know in driving a car is that I was really asking for more responsibility. See, the upside was, was clear, but I didn't consider the downside, which was gas payments, insurance payments, car payments, repairs. I didn't consider any of that. All I wanted was the more of, of what was going on. I wanted to drive, baby. In fact, I was a kid growing up. I always wanted to be an adult. I always wanted to be independent. I want to go where I want to go, do what I want to do, so you can't tell me nothing. And I'm an adult, and I feel the weight of responsibility, and kids, and a mortgage. And very honestly, I don't know which one is better. <laughs> Any adults ever wish to go back as a kid? Who wants to be bored? I would love to be bored again. What's that like? Right? And so we recognize that more isn't always better. More is just more. More is just different. I know there are dreamers in the building. Do you know that with that next level may come some downside you're not even envisioning right now? Why would the perfect manager who loves you more than you can imagine give you the things that would be truly detrimental for your life? The answer is he wouldn't because he loves you too much. So let's stop this comparison game. Let's stop thinking more is always going to be better and more is the answer because the answer is that more isn't always the answer. It's not always good. But the real thing that is gut-wrenching and we need to be real with, and this is the, the, the brutal fact, whether you've thought about it recently or not, happens in verse 19. So this is the gut-wrenching reality we have to be real with. Are you ready? After a long time, or we can say a lifetime, that's what it's envisioned. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Whether you thought about it recently or not, what you need to know about your bookshelf, especially if you're a Christian, is that all this came from God. Every bit. And that all of it will return to God. And so all of it is accountable to God. 
What you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with your talents shouldn't just be about you. And yet we live in a society that says, I better get mine and own my kingdom regardless of anyone else. We live in such a self-centered society that says, everything at my disposal is for me. And that's not the truth. Everything at your disposal was put there by God, maybe for the use of other people. And God is coming back. And he will ask you, what did you do with what was mine? And so maybe there is some shock today because we haven't always considered this. That my job isn't just for me. That my family isn't just for me. My talents and abilities are not just for me. They are for God and his glory. And if you feel you haven't gotten it right, we'll join the club. Many things go unused. Many opportunities or abilities go unused. And today we want to be real with the fact that this is sin. And we don't want to end up like that worthless, lazy servant. But the way forward, the way forward is taking both the upside and the downside of the cross of Jesus. Let's consider the upside of the cross of Jesus. The upside is that we will be saved that we are forgiven for all the times we didn't put it to use for him and his glory. You live in peace today. That is a reality. And heaven is one not based on your performance, not based on your work. It's based on Jesus' work. And 2,000 years ago, he said, it is finished. And this for you, if you're just joining us or you're new to Christianity, this is the message we want you to walk away with today. That because of Jesus' work, you are completely at peace. You are completely set free from any guilt or shame or, or fears of the future. Jesus died for you and loves you. That is the upside of the cross. But there's a downside to the cross if you want to say it that way. And that is, as Jesus bore a cross for us, so following him means we will bear a cross for him. Consider this passage. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What this is about is not living and using those things just for ourselves. It's denying ourselves and saying, how can I use what God gave for someone else? For God and his glory, for the good of other people. That is the reality of denying ourselves. So let's talk more about this and may we be directed. But as we go on, I still think, at least for me, I struggle with the idea of, can I make a difference? What difference will it make if I put what I have into use? Can I actually do anything about it? Well, let me give you another illustration. I brought a lot of toys with me today. Um, brought with me today my uh, $5 handsaw. Now, when it comes to the world of saws, this is a one-bagger. This is like a half-bagger. This is... <laughs> There are better saws out there. Um, this is not Binford. There are uh, echo saws. There are chain saws. There are things that are way better than this. But with this $5 saw, you want to know what I did? Yeah. Did that. Now, I will tell you, it took a while. And um, I remember telling my family, come out. Dad's going to cut down the tree. And, and then I make that triangle so it, like, falls the right way if you've ever cut down a tree. And that takes, like, 20 minutes. Just going like, it's going to fall any day now, don't worry. And then after I get the triangle cut out, I call my wife over, lean on the tree because it's about to fall, right? 
So I go at it for about 10 minutes. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. The whole neighborhood can hear me huffing and puffing because it's just bad. And it's, Take a break. We're, we're not there. Keep leading on, but we're, we're good. So I go at it again, right? I'm huffing and puffing, and, and she's holding the tree, wondering when it's going to fall. And at this point, it's 20 minutes in, and they're like, it's never going to fall, Dad. What are you even doing? But I keep going, and I go, and I go. And finally, that tree falls. Yeah. And I learned this principle, that it is better to be a small tool in use than a big tool on the shelf. It is better to be a small tool in use than a big tool on the shelf. What I'm saying today is don't be a big tool on the shelf. <laughs> because hypothetically, let's say I had a Binford chainsaw in my garage. It was gas-powered and would have made the little kids in the neighborhood scared. If I never used that and just had it on the shelf, never got rid of that ash tree, it wouldn't have made a difference how big it was, how loud it was. So let us be content, whatever that gift is, to just faithfully put it to use. And you know what might happen? Well, my story's not done. Later in the week, um, I was cutting up the trees still with my uh, handsaw, and, and I really think my neighbors felt sorry for me because I had not one but two people come and offer me an upgrade. Uh, one guy comes over, he offers me a Sawzall, you know, I think because they thought I was going to have a heart attack or something. Um, and, and so that was good. And then some guy after that, uh, Ted comes out with like a legit chainsaw. So, so now, I'm, now I'm working with something. There we go. And, uh, and, and so what I found, and, and I got to point to that part of the story too, that, that I think if you prove faithful in the smaller, God may entrust you with the bigger. See, see, people were saying he knows how to, you know, at least take it down with this thing. Maybe he can take it down with something bigger. That is so critical for this lesson. Sometimes we want the bigger without being faithful in the small, and that's not the way a good manager works. Let's consider what happened and what the master said with the five beggar and the two beggar. The five beggar, um, his master said in verse 21, his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Literally, it meant the little things. The little things. You've been faithful with the little things, so I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Or look at the end of, end of the verse where it said in verse 29, whoever has will be given more when they faithfully use it, and they will have an abundance. We have to go back to God, the perfect manager. God's viewing every steward and everyone using what is his. Now, if you are a manager and you see unfaithful service with small things, will you give more? You wouldn't do it. Why would God? God looks down, sees how we're handling money. So many times we say, God, if I just had more. I think God is saying, man, if you would handle what I have given you responsibly, maybe then I'd be safe to entrust you with more. God, I want a romantic relationship. A romantic relationship. But, but maybe God is looking down and saying, you, you can't even deal decently with the opposite sex on a daily basis. Why would I entrust you with a lifelong romance? Maybe he's looking at the level you're at in job or schooling, and you're saying, I want the next level, the upper echelon. I want to be there. I want to be at that next, next point. And God's saying, you're drowning right now. You can't deal with life the way it is. Why would I give you more? Why would I entrust you for more? And no, this is not a success theology sermon. 
I'm not saying that for every faithful use of a steward and money that you're going to be a billionaire. That's not the message. But what I am saying is that God understands completely what you are doing with what is His. And God is a perfect manager. God knows what is best. So may we prove faithful in the small things. And maybe, not definitely, but maybe he will entrust us with more because we've proved that faithfulness. You know, I consider what's at stake. Because many times you gather on Sunday and, and, and really you don't have to do anything. You know, the reality is you can nod your head and smile and you don't, I'm not checking your homework, right? And, and so there's part of you that says, well, this was a good feel-good and I want to do something, but I don't know what it is, but no one's going to hold me accountable anyway, so who cares? Let me give you a vision of what's at stake. When the five and the two-bagger put it to work, what happened? They gained more. What might happen when we start using what is God's for his glory and his kingdom? What might happen is he might entrust us with more. And let me tell you just a little bit of Amazing Love's history to convince you. See, what you may not know about Amazing Love is that we were founded about seven years ago. And we were founded on small faithful efforts of Christians throughout the wells to give to a mission offering called Congregational Mission Offerings. That's why we are here. Faithful efforts of people we've never met, just giving what they could, often it's 10% more than what they were doing. That's why we started. We started at Hickory Creek Middle School. And for a while, we were in a basement of the Oldenburgs. And with the Oldenburgs and the Andersons, we started dreaming about what the church could be. And there were just faithful, small efforts of talking about our neighborhood or making brochures. We got to Hickory Creek and we've had faithful musicians like Jim or Sandy or other people help us out or the Newtons setting up or a leadership team that came into place. I remember Dan Kaczynski and Dan Galovich who worked so that we could be in the building that we're in today, who did the research and did the negotiation and, and talked to people so that we could be here today through faithful efforts. I consider people like the Myers I consider people like the Speldies and the Athertons. I consider people who've been leaders of ministries like Catherine who led We Worship. And as We Worship a hit, there's like 20 kids in there. My goodness. All because someone did what they could do. Or Rachel who said, I, I, I love working with teens. And she's awesome. Or Brian who led our men's group. Or Aaron who led our women's group. Or Judy Campbell who says, you guys got to be fed so you stick around and talk a little bit. And what happened through just everyone doing the small things they could do is we're here today. And you need to know if you've come just in this last year or last couple years, you're sitting on someone else's sacrifice. Someone was faithful before you got here. And the path forward is now taking the same paradigm that God has called each of us with unique abilities to put them into play so that we might do what? Reach more. Because I'm geeked out every time I get to tell someone about Jesus. Help me to do that, would you? Because there's lives at stake. Because the Master's coming back and He's holding people to account and they don't know the free gift in Jesus that is theirs. Man, I was reading this past week and the Master said, you're going to share in my happiness. 
You're going to share in my joy. I want some of that. And I want it for everyone I know. I don't even know what that joy is. I think it's donuts, but I don't know. Pretty sure it's going to be good. The question is, do you want it that bad, and do I want it that bad to actually do something about it? That's what we can do. And we need you. And God has already used you. But may you remember you're here for a purpose. You didn't get here on your own. He gave it to you. It's for him. And he will answer for what you've done with what is his. So may God bless us. And now let me pray for you. Let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you have entrusted me with. Whether big or small, what you have given right now is enough to make a difference. Release me from the kingdom of me and let me serve you. Forgive me for the times I put whatever you gave on the shelf or only used it for me. But now give your blessing to the collective efforts of me and others so that many more, so that there might be an increase, many more might taste and experience the joy you have for us eternally. In Jesus' name, amen.